The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up from Lilo. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. And we've got a tremendous podcast and one that is brought to you by Vote Yes on Prop 27 and DraftKings. Prop 27 is doing everything it can to get Californians online and anyone 21 years or older in the state of California to be able to bet online as those are out there in great states like New York, Pennsylvania, where I'm at, lovely Las Vegas. They're all able to bet online. Californians right now, they're stuck out in the cold. They're dealing with shady bookies, so we don't want that. Let's get California online and let's vote yet us on Prop 27 and Let's take a look at the great game of baseball with our good friend Ryan Rossi in segment number two. Does great work over at Sports Radio WIP. We're going to be chatting with him about this, shall we say, sad race between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Milwaukee Brewers for the final spot in the National League wild card as both of these teams have really been dropping the ball recently. We're also going to be taking a look at what we're all getting in the NL East in general and how the playoff picture has been shaking out. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And we've got one or two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. 
Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we got an absolutely spectacular slate of baseball on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Mets once double-digit lead in the NL East. Poof, it's gone. The DK Nation pick was the Atlanta Braves. They get the job done, 4-2 to the final. The Braves are now 16-1 and in Kyle Wright's last 17 starts. He is the first 21-game winner in the big leagues over the last, I think now, at least four years. Gives up two runs of five innings. Didn't lend a lot of length, but bullpen from there at his back. Kenley Jansen, Rossi Iglesias, Jesse Chavez, Dylan Lee all supply a scoreless setting. Dansby Swanson with really the big shot in this game. 24th home run season in the fifth inning and then in the sixth. Matt Olson. He gets home run 32 of the campaign as Matt Max Scherzer. Five and two-thirds innings. Gives up those two home runs. Four runs in total. From there, you did have David Peterson and Drew Smith combined for a scoreless setting. Seth Lugo and out, out of the bullpen at Adam Adovino. He was able to supply a scoreless setting, but for the Mets, just not a lot doing in this one as a Braves. Take the first two in this critical series. We did see a double dip between the Washington Nationals and the Philadelphia Phillies, and it was a split. First one went the way of the Nationals, 13-4 the finals. Kyle Gibson just got destroyed. Got to figure that these are the last innings eight pitches as a Philadelphia Philly. Two home runs surrendered, seven runs in total over the course of six innings as Joey Manessas gets his 13th home run season. Luke Voigt is 22nd, and then a little bit later, Luis Garcia gets home run number seven of the campaign as that was supplied by Chris Savinsky, who gave up three runs of one and a third innings. Nick Nelson gives up three runs and a third of an inning, and Nick Maton, position player, had to get the final out in this one as with the Washington Nationals, Anibal Sanchez, not terrific, gives up four runs over the course of five innings, but the Washington Nationals just continue to win. Anibal Sanchez starts. I have no idea how, I have no idea why, but the team is now, I believe, 7-2 and in his last nine starts on our RB2 scoreless settings. Andres Machado, two scoreless settings, and then for the Nationals, the experiment that they tried with Mr. Tommy Romero did not work out. The Nationals get crushed by a count of 8-2 as Romero gives up eight runs, six of which were earned, including five home runs and three and two-thirds innings going deep for the Phillies. Kyle Schorber twice. 43rd and 44th home runs in the campaign. Brandon Marshall, 11th home run of the season. Matt Beerling, 6th home run of the season. Alec Bohm is 13th home run of the season. Mason Thompson from there, 1 and a third inning scoreless. And, and kudos to the bullpen. Eliermo Vargas, position player. Carlos Jr., Steve C. Sheck, Rasmo Ramirez, all give a scoreless inning. But for the Phillies, Noah Thor Syndergaard, very good start. He goes 5 and 2 thirds innings scoreless. Yeah, Christopher Sanchez come in in super long relief, giving up two runs in three innings to Connor Brogdon and out out of the bullpen from there. So they split in for the Milwaukee Brewers. They had a golden opportunity and they toilet pulled it. Four to three, the Miami Marlins get the job done as it's Devin Williams who gives it up in the ninth inning for the Brewers as neither team wants his final wild card spot apparently as Edward Cabrera only goes three innings for the Miami Marlins. I think he was pulled due to injury. Might have been precautionary, but he was pulled very early. From there, Tanner Scott, Tommy Nance, Richard Blyer, Jeff Brigham, all lend a scoreless setting. Uskar Belazobin, pair of outside the bullpen, and Andrew Nardi gives up a home run to Christian Yelich, 13th home run season, and Jake Fishman gives up two runs in a third of an inning, but Peyton Budrick goes deep for his third home run season off of Aaron Ashby, who didn't give a ton of length, giving up two runs in four and a third innings. Trevor got from there. Gets five outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless Brad Boxberger, Matt Bush. They both supply a scoreless inning. And then Devin Williams gives up two runs in a third of an inning before Peter Strzelski gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And Z Brewers, 0 of 7 with men in scoring position. Nine men stranded on base. 
not great. This was tough for the Yankees. 8-0. They take down the Baltimore Orioles as Austin both gives up a pair of home runs, four runs in total over the course of five innings. Kyle Gashioka, ninth home run season, and Giancarlo Stanton is 29th as Nancy Nestor Cortez gives up one hit and punches out 12 and seven and a third inning scoreless. Jacob Barnes from there, five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. Meanwhile, for the Baltimore Orioles, super long relief for Spencer Watkins as he gives up four runs over the course of three innings. He did have the Blue Jays blank the Boston Red Sox, 10 to 0 the final. So, Blowout City in the AL East as Brian Bayo, he got crushed, giving up 10 hits, four runs in total over the course of four innings. Josh Winkowski, more like Luzkowski as he gave up three runs in three innings as Zach Kelly. Gave up a pair of home runs, three runs in total over the course of an inning going deep for the Toronto Blue Jays. Danny Jansen, home run number 15 of the season, and Teoscar Hernandez is 23rd as Ross Tripling. Continues to be really good for the Toronto Blue Jays. He lent six scoreless innings. Anthony Bass, David Phelps both lend a scoreless inning apiece, and then Adam Simber and Jordan Romano. They combined to give the scoreless ninth thing to be able to preserve the shutout. As for Ross Tripling, by the way, team has been just very successful in general recently as they have won now each out of his last six starts. And they are now 11-1 and in his last 12. So, Blue Jays have been able to do a solid job when he's taking the mound. The Chicago Cubs, they're looking very solid. They've went out one nine out of the last 10 games. 2-1, they take down the Cincinnati Reds. As he is, Suzuki powered the team to victory. 14th home run season. That comes off a of bullpen piece. Derek Law, who gave up that home run over the course of one and two-thirds innings. Nick Lodolo, solid start, giving up one and five innings of the five Hawks. Not great. That costed him a little bit of depth in terms of going deep in this game, but Buck Farmer far outside the bullpen scoreless, but for the Cubs, their pitching was just a little bit better as you had Drew Smiley and Edbert Alzale pretty much piggyback off of each other. Smiley gives up one run in three innings. Alzale three scoreless settings, and then Wade Miley out of the bullpen, two scoreless settings before Manuel Rodriguez and Brandon Hughes scoreless things out with a scoreless ninth inning. The Arizona Diamondbacks get the job done against the San Francisco Giants. 8-4 to four of the final. Dre Jemison, a guy that I've been fading, he gets a win in this one as you did have J.D. Davis go deep off of him for his 12th home run of the season, but really a solid start, giving up two runs over the course of six innings. And then you did have Mikey Strzemski get home run number 17 of the campaign off of Mark Melanson, who gave up its home run over the course of an inning. Reyes Monata gives up a run in an inning, and Kevin Ginkle gives a scoreless inning, but... For the Arizona Diamondbacks, despite no home runs, they put up eight runs, five of thirteen with Ben in scoring position. As Scott Alexander was the opener, gave up nothing in one and a third innings, and then Jacob Junis gives up four runs in four and two thirds innings. But things really got bad when Jarlin Garcia came in, four runs surrendered in an inning. Junior Marte two scoreless innings. So the Giants they continue their shall we say disappointing season. But the Kansas City Royals, even though they have been disappointing, they get it done against Cleveland Guardians seven to one the final. As Chris with the K Bubich. A rare good start. Punches out eight in five scoreless innings. Taylor Clark gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. And then Amir Garrett gets it out of the bullpen. Carlos Hernandez, Anthony Machevich, Dylan Coleman, all end a scoreless inning and a pair of bombs for the Kansas City Royals. Drew Waters, fourth home run season. That comes off Kirk McCarty. And McCarty gives one up to Salvador Perez. His 23rd home run season. Zach Plesak, not upped up by his defense. He gives up four runs in three and two-thirds innings. First start off the injured list, but just one of which was earned. And Yel De Los Santos gives up a run in an inning. Eli Morgan, far outside the bullpen scoreless. McCarty, he gives up those two home runs, two solo home runs over the course of two innings. And then Nick Sandlin, he lends a scoreless inning as well. The Detroit Tigers, they get it done against the Minnesota Twins by a count of three to two as the Twins. Boy, they have left a lot of men on base recently. 21 men left on base thus far in the series as Dylan don't call him Al Bundy. Not a bad start. He gives up two runs over the course of five innings, including a home run to Eric Haas, 13th home run of the season. And then you did have, from there, Roni Enriquez give 
three innings. He gives up one unearned run to take the loss as he was hurt by a pair of fielding errors as for the Detroit Tigers. Drew Hutchinson, not a lot of length, gives up just two runs in four and a third innings. He wriggled out of some bad situations. Jose Cicerno, pair of outs of the bullpen, and then you had Gregory Soto get a pair of outs of the bullpen. Daniel Norris, he gets four outs of the bullpen, and Alex Lang, Andrew Chafin, they all go scoreless, scoreless ending a piece out of both of those. You had the Seattle Mariners get a 5-1 to one win over the Oakland A's as for the Oakland A's, they tried out Adam Haller as an opener, and they probably shouldn't have because the bulk guy, J.P. Sears, six scoreless innings, but Haller gave up three runs in the first, and then Kirby Snead back-ended that by giving up two runs in his inning of work, but for the Oakland A's, nothing doing on offense. Luis Castillo gave up a run in the first inning and then settled down. Eight punch-outs, one run surrounded in six innings. Matthew Boyd, Diego Castillo, Matthew Fessa. They all lend a scoreless inning. The Tampa Bay Rays, they fall to the Houston Astros by a count of 2-1. to one. As for the Astros, very good pitching in this one on both sides, but Christian Javier reigns supreme as he goes six scoreless innings. Did have Ryan Presley give up a run in an inning, but Rafael Montero, Hunter Brown, they both lend a scoreless inning. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, Shane McClanahan, two runs for 105 innings. He still just does not look right. JT Chargua, two scoreless innings. And then Gary Clevenger, a scoreless inning. But for Shane McClanahan, things have gone downhill very quickly for him as the team has lost each out of his last three starts. So certainly something to monitor. The St. Louis Cardinals got to monitor this offense as they are getting hot. 13-3, they take down the Pittsburgh Park. It says Luis Ortiz gave up six runs and he didn't get out of the first inning as he only got two outs going deep for St. Louis. Corey Dickerson, sixth home run season, lone home run for the St. Louis Cardinals as they go 6 of 12 men in scoring position and they got a good start out of Jordan Montgomery giving up two runs in six innings. Steven Matz gives up a one run in one and a third innings and then the Woodford, Jake Woodford. Five outs out of the bullpen scoreless for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Zach Thompson had to turn in super long relief, giving up four runs in five and a third innings. Manny Benuelos gives up three runs in, two of them being earned in an inning. And then you had Junior Fernandez, the former St. Louis Cardinal. He was able to lend a scoreless inning of his own. The Slam Diego Padres get a win over the Chicago White Sox. 5-2 to the final in this one as for the White Sox. Dylan Cease, well... He ceased any chance of being able to get the American League Cy Young Award with this performance. Four walks and two home runs allowed, along with four total runs over the course of five innings. Going deep for the Padres, you had Jake Cronenworth get his 17th home run season. Juan Soto is 27th, and then Manny Machado off of Jake Diekman will get home run number 32 of the campaign as Diekman allows one run in an inning. That's a home run. Joe Kelly, scoreless inning. Vince Velasquez, a scoreless inning as well, but with the Chicago White Sox, of Sanders, only form of offense, 15th home run season. That comes in the first inning off of Mike Clevenger, who really calmed down from there, giving him just that home run in his six innings. Robert Suarez gives a scoreless inning, and Josh Hader, he performs another scoreless inning. I believe that that's nine straight innings without him allowing an earned run. Pierce Johnson allowed a run in two-thirds of an inning, and you did have Nick Martinez have to get in out out of the bullpen, but good win for the San Diego Padres. A very solid win for the LA Angels. They take down the Walker Texas Rangers by a count of 3-2 to two as Cole Reagan's not a bad start. Very highly touted prospect for the Rangers. Gives up one run in five innings. AC Sunoco, Jonathan Hernandez, though. But they both allow a run in an inning before Matt Moore is able to end a scoreless inning of his own. And really the only form of offense for the Texas Rangers. Nate Lowe gets a low for his 27th home run season as he goes deep off of Jose Suarez. Suarez gives up two runs in seven innings. Zach Weiss, Ryan Tapera, they both lend a scoreless inning from there to get the Angels to the window, who all of a sudden they've been able to play a little bit of better baseball. I mean, for the Angels, it had been 
a very, very long and winding road for them to say the least, but overall for the LA Angels, they're now 14-10 and 10 in their last 24 games, so a little bit of a sign of brightness there, and the Dodgers, they just cover yet another run line. 6-4, to four, they get the job done against the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland did all that he could. One run surrendered in five and two-thirds innings, and then the bullpen yacked this one up. Denelson Lament, he gave up three runs without getting it out. Justin Lawrence, Chad Smith, they both get it out of the bullpen. A long tie block, but he did have two runs given up in one and a third innings by Gavin Hollowell. As for the Colorado Rockies, they were able to strike early, but not late as Michael Grove. On the flip side for the LA Dodgers, he gives up Randall Gritchick's 18th home run of the season and Ryan McMahon's 20th home run of the season. As for Grove, he gives up all four runs over the course of five innings. From there, Craig Kimbrell in the sixth inning, Tommy Canely, Evan Phillips, Bruce Arter, Griderall, they all land a scoreless inning to get the Dodgers the W number 110, by the way, for the season for them. And if you're taking a look at baseball right now, we've been seeing just a whole bunch of unders overall for the season, and we've really been seeing it over the last 60 days. 392 unders to 358 overs over the last 60 days. In that time span, home favorites have been pretty darn dominant, hitting 64.6% the time straight up, 303 and 166. But among these home favorites, 89 failed to cover the run line, winning by at least two runs and overall for the season. Home favorites hitting about 61.2%. Favorites overall for the season about... 60.7%, 60.7%, so a little bit more demonstrative to home favorites, but among the 891 home favorites that have been able to win straight up this season, 283 have failed to cover the run line, and overall for the season, 51.9% of games are going under the total 1,156 unders to 1,072 overs. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we got on Saturday. Now let's take a look at some of these great playoff races, including the one that, well, Probably should not be happening between the Phillies and the Brewers. And ironically enough, we go out to Philadelphia with myself, a Wisconsin native, doing this with Ryan Rossi. And he does a great job over at Sports Radio WIP. Taking a look at the playoff picture and what we're all getting in the NL next here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by our guest, as Ryan Rossi, doing absolutely amazing work over at Sports Radio WIP. That is one of the best local radio stations you're going to find in all the country, as he does great work in the city of Philadelphia, taking a look at a little bit of everything. Certainly the Phillies are a hot topic right now, even though, well, it's been a very not-so-great race between they and the Brewers in the final National League wildcard spot. We'll touch upon that a little bit more in a minute, but on top of that, I know that he's doing great work as the Philadelphia Eagles. That has been great for them as he's doing a great job taking a look at them. Obviously, once these 76ers gets going, that's going to cause for no shortage of conversation as well, and to be able to follow Ryan Rossi on Twitter, that's at WiseRye all together, R-Y-E on the back half of that. Ryan, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, Craig, are you sure you don't want to talk Eagles here? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm sure you'd love to talk Eagles. I personally have a baseball betting show. When the NFL show comes out, then we will talk Eagles. That is for sure. But I am a man from the great state of Wisconsin, so we can both loathe in this together. This has got to be the most pathetic playoff push I've ever seen in my life between the Phillies and the Brewers. Every single time, it's like, oh, Team X lost. They're giving it away. 
the other team, oh no, you tried to give it away? We're going to give it away in even bigger fashion. We saw it on Saturday where the Phillies, they split with the Washington Nationals. They lose that first game by nine runs. And then it looks like the Brewers are actually going to take advantage. And then Devin Williams blows a two-run lead against a Miami Marlins team that has scored three runs or fewer, and I believe 33 out of their last 44 games. I mean, Ryan, this is really, really bad right now. And whoever makes it out of these two teams, I just don't see them making a lot of noise. This has been a terrible just playoff push in general for both of them. The definition of hot potato. <laughs> you take it. No, you take it. I don't want it. You want it. It's just Milwaukee and Philly just both dropping the ball, hot potato. I mean, whatever you want to classify it, Craig. This is just pathetic. It's absolutely <laughs> pathetic. And I'm just so mad at this Phillies organization right now for a variety of reasons. It's bad. Yeah, but you're not happy with the Phillies. I'm looking at the Brewers because they traded away Josh Hader at the trade deadline, which might turn out to not be the world's worst trade. But, I mean, boy, both of these organizations right now, they've got their deficiencies. And it's a real shame because they're in divisions in which the top team, or in the case of the NL East, the top teams are playing very well. Like, we're seeing the Braves and the Mets do battle right now in Atlanta. Atlanta takes the first two. And once again, I think that there's a lot of people are blaming the New York Mets for blowing that 10 and a half game lead. But I was seeing a tweet that I believe that since they had that 10 and a half game lead, there's something like 63 and 42. The Mets are not doing, insert your adjective here of like Metsing or something like that, which I'm not necessarily a fan of that. But I mean, they've been playing perfectly fine baseball. I just take a look at things right now in Major League Baseball. And just since really the beginning of the month of June, the Atlanta Braves, in my opinion, have been the best team in the league. I agree. I don't know when the last time I joined you here, but pleasure a few different times. I remember the last time. Yeah, we're talking about Atlanta and we're talking about the Mets, obviously, besides the Phillies. And yeah, I know you and I both brought up how much we like Atlanta. I mean, I don't like Atlanta being in Philly, but I obviously can objectively say I like how strong of a team they are in the Atlanta Braves. And and here they are once again, a game up over the New York Mets, a New York Mets team who seemingly had that first place, the, you know, the grasp of first place, I should say, in the NL East all season long certainly all summer long and this Atlanta Braves team I was texting with a friend of mine earlier tonight Greg and he brought up exactly this in our conversation the Atlanta Braves and I just simply replied Atlanta is the gold standard I mean I I I don't think any of us would be surprised if Atlanta ends up winning the whole thing once again oh no not at all Atlanta has been just so highly impressive the pitching is good the lineup is solid. Rossi Iglesias has been exactly what that bullpen needed as well. So they have made great moves. And I mean, last year, they had to rebuild their outfield on the fly. They were able to do that so well. And the teams that we're referring to right now and the Phillies and the Brewers, well, they left a little bit more to be desired as joining me on the podcast. We do have Ryan Rossi, and he does terrific work over at Sports Radio WIP. And I take a look at the other team that we were referring to a little bit earlier in the Brewers in their division the St. Louis Cardinals, I've been highly impressed by them. They had that just very, very cold streak about two weeks ago in which they just couldn't put the ball in play. Every team goes through hot and cold streaks. They seem to be a little bit more demonstrative this year with the St. Louis Cardinals, but I take a look at them as a team that I wouldn't want to fire in a future on them to win the World Series, even though you're going to get some relatively good numbers on them. But I think that they're a team that from a game-to-game perspective – They do offer quite a bit of value. They've got some good veteran leadership with someone like an Adam Wainwright. They're another team that, much like the Atlanta Braves, they made good acquisitions at the trade deadline. Jose Quitana, Jordan Montgomery working out so well. Like, once again, 22-1, to I wouldn't want to take that shot to win the World Series, but 
in terms of the St. Louis Cardinals maybe picking off a game or two from a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Atlanta Rays, I could certainly see that. I certainly could see that as well. This is something we've discussed in the past, but there always seems to be that one team every year that is the team with 89 wins, 92 wins, uh, you know, low 90s, and they steal a round or they even steal a couple rounds. And I don't know if I would bet on St. Louis to do that, particularly against, you know, teams that you just mentioned, Greg, the Dodgers in particular. But I wouldn't be shocked, right? Like once this field is set, Anything can happen. We've seen it in baseball year in and year out. So would I love taking the the St. Louis Cardinals at 22 to 1? No, but I also would understand if someone did that. I mean, if you have an extra $50 laying around and you want to have some fun with a futures bet that you know is a long shot, you understand is a long shot, I wouldn't talk anyone out of that. Why not throw it on the St. Louis Cardinals at 22 to 1? Because, I mean, quite frankly, we've seen crazier things happen. Yeah, but we certainly have. And the good news for the St. Louis Cardinals is because they won their division. Guess who they'd be playing in the first round? Either the Phillies or the Brewers, and that should go very well for them with the way that those two teams are currently limping into the back half of this stretch. As joining me Oh, you're podcast. being nice, Greg. A limp. That's basically a first-round bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really bad, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, we just saw it a few days ago, the way that they were able to handle the Milwaukee Brewers, and we still don't know who the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be starting for Sunday, as it looks like it is going to be indeed Freddie Peralta, who came out of the bullpen and gave up a grand slam in game one of the series against the Miami Marlins, which... That's just great right there. But in terms of what we're going to be seeing on Sunday, I do still think that the Phillies, they should be able to get this one done as they're going to be facing off against Patrick Corbin and the Washington Nationals. Corbin actually looked a little bit better prior to an injury, but he's coming off of a little bit of an ailment that costed him a a turn or two in the rotation. Zach Wheeler has had his road struggles. I'm sure that you're with me and that you would not want to lay 240 in darn near any situation right now with the Philadelphia Phillies. This is more of a run line play for me as that's more around the neighbor about minus 135, so a bit more palatable, but I could see this game getting very much out of hand with a total of seven and a half and a pair of teams that just completely emptied their bullpen in the double dip yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, I wouldn't lay any type of money on the Phillies at minus 245. I wouldn't put Monopoly money down on <laughs> the Phillies at minus 245, Greg. So I would stay miles and miles away from that, as, as you sort of mentioned yourself there. So we are certainly on the same page. You bring up Corbin. He may be one of the better fades at baseball this year. I know we've seen glimpses, but 6-18, and 18, an ERA over 6, a 1.66 whip through 30 starts. I mean, his metrics are absolutely atrocious. Eight or more runs have been scored in nine of Corbin's past 12 starts. So I actually wouldn't mind taking the over. I saw it earlier, depending on where you're looking, but I saw the over for this Phillies-Nats game on Sunday. And even money, maybe slightly better than even money. I don't know what it's at currently at the time of us talking. I don't know what it will be at at the time of people listening, maybe even after the fact, but you get the point. I would lean with the over. Yep, I'm right there with you. And when it comes down to this playoff race as well, because with the Philadelphia Phillies, it's a very strange schedule that they've got coming up because their last series is going to see Houston Astros, but I don't know if the Houston Astros are going to be playing their regular guys in terms of that series. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Brewers, they on Sunday, in my opinion, have the better chance of losing. They're going to be facing off against Pablo Lopez and the Miami Marlins. The Marlins 
Certainly have not gotten a lot going on offense, but the Brewers are pitching someone that literally had to go into the game on Thursday. They're not going to get a lot of length. They've been using up the bullpen. I have no idea what Craig Council is trying to do. I've been trying to figure him out for years. And Well, it is very much an interesting place to be, but I do think that in terms of the overall stretch, with the Brewers going up against the Arizona Diamondbacks, it's sort of a catch-22 on both ways because with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're clearly not going to be going to the postseason, but I just have that sneaky suspicion that they're going to try to play spoiler. Meanwhile, with the Astros, it's all about whether or not they want to play their starters or not that could decide this playoff race. It's an excellent point, um, and it's a, it's certainly concerning here in Philadelphia because of the un, the uncertainty. I mean, put it this way. I, I know we're chatting here, you know, late Saturday, October 1st, late uh, on the East Coast, but uh, Sunday, October 2nd, that is where, in my opinion, this third and final wildcard spot in the National League is going to be won and where it's going to be lost. If Milwaukee loses and a Philly can somehow find a way to win that magic number I believe goes down to one more game you're certainly feeling really good about that heading into that final series you know and then if the complete opposite happens here in Philly you're not feeling really good at all so Sunday is going to change that not change that narrative but you're picking up what I'm putting down that's really going to solidify in my opinion which one of these two teams is going to end up securing it I do think it's going to be big and at this point it's just all about who doesn't stub their toe the most who is going to be making the postseason because that's the way things are trending as Ryan Rossine does a great job over at Sports Radio WIP it's going to be joining me on the podcast is joining me on the podcast and Ryan, when it comes down to the entire playoff picture in general, because we've been taking a look a lot at the two National League races that we've got, just in terms of maybe a team that is going to be probably having to play in the wild card round, a team that's a little bit more under the radar, is there a team or two that we have not mentioned that you think could make a legitimate run? Because I'm just still trying to figure out who that number two team is in the American League, because it is clear that the Astros are number one. I would lean towards the Yankees at number two, but I feel like it's Astros and everyone else because you've got teams like the Seattle Mariners, the Cleveland Guardians with good pitching, but in my opinion, just not enough hitting to be able to get the job done. I don't know if you've identified a team that maybe might be worth a little bit of a long shot future on, or maybe you're just bullish on them in general, but I do think that in terms of this year's postseason, it's a little bit more open in the National League rather than the American League, and it's just all about finding out who might be that sleeper team in the American League that can make some noise. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. This is going to be a boring answer. I apologize, listeners out there. I don't have a sleeper pick in the American League for really the reasons that you just mentioned, Greg. It seems like it's just this is Houston's year doesn't mean that's going to happen we talked about it earlier the unknown of of the Major League Baseball postseason Yankees getting hot at the right time it feels like uh, in this final week or so they've they've seemed to turn things around at least from the end of the summer in August but the National League is interesting the Phillies I mean I mentioned the Cardinals I wouldn't hate throwing some some cash on them I mean if you look at NL winner odds I see the Phillies you know, close to 20 to one right now. I started this conversation saying how mad and disappointed I am in the Philadelphia Phillies, but they are just the weirdest team this year because they have the star names. They have the lineup where you look at this lineup on paper and you say they're pretty tough when they're going. So if the Phillies, if they somehow get in here and secure this third wild card spot, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would be a little surprised, but at the same token, I've seen them near their best. And if they're playing near their best, 
best. My point is I wouldn't be surprised if they make some noise in the playoffs if they get in. So if we're talking about long shots, homer alert, but, you know, why not throw a couple bucks on the Phillies at 19-1 to to come out of the NL? Why not throw a couple bucks on the Cardinals, as we talked about earlier? Because I do believe the National League is relatively wide open. Of course, you have the Dodgers. Of course, you have the Braves. Neither is to be bleeped with. I still think it's relatively wide open, so I think you have some options in the National League. In the American League, I would be relatively stunned if the Astros aren't representing the league when it's all said and done the World Series. Yep, I am in agreement with you on that front and hey the good news is the Phillies are at 19 to 1 to win the National League the Brewers are at 28 to 1 so that tells you that bookmakers <laughs> think that the Phillies are going to be able to pull this one out and being someone from the great state of Wisconsin I just feel like part of my hair gets ripped out of whatever is left after I shaved it every single time I see Craig Council go to the mound and make a pitching change because they're having to trot out their guy that literally came in relief on Thursday as their starter now for Sunday, it's almost as bad as Scott Alexander starting in back-to-back days for the San Francisco Giants here on Sunday. So we're seeing some strangeness in baseball right now, but I know you, Ryan, are doing your best to make sense of all of it. But more importantly than that, you're holding it down in terms of all things Philadelphia. You do a great job over there at Sports Radio WIP. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. I appreciate it, Greg. And before I throw out my Twitter handle, bring up, Craig Council, you bring up the Brewers. Something to note for listeners out there, a huge storyline here in Philly. Rob Thompson, the interim manager for the Phillies, Greg. This is a guy that took over for Girardi. This ball club was nine games under 500. He turned him around in a massive way. They had a great stretch without Bryce Harper. Man, things were really going well for a while at one point here. For the Phillies, under interim manager Rob Thompson, they have limped down the stretch, to put it nicely, as you've mentioned. I sort of feel for the guy. If the Phillies somehow don't get in, Rob Thompson ain't getting that job permanently. So I just wanted to throw that storyline out there, Greg. I think it's an interesting one. It certainly is. And then how can people follow along on social media and other platforms? Yeah, at Wise Rye. There you go. W-I-S-E-R-Y-E. Perfect. And Ryan, he always does amazing work whenever he joins this podcast. And just if you're out there in the great city of Philadelphia or you're just looking for a little bit more Philadelphia in your life, Ryan, as he covered on that and so much more, always does a great job on this podcast. Big thanks to Ryan for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast coming up next. It is that time the podcast. He gives an analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Ryan Rossi aboard. He does amazing work over at Sports Radio WIP, holding it down in the great city of Philadelphia. Should be very fascinating to see what we get the next few days out of the Brewers and the Phillies as they five for that final wild card spot and then on top of that the NLEs in general is going to be very intriguing because we know that the Mets and the Braves are going to be in the postseason just a matter of who is going to be taking that division I think that both teams can make quite a bit of noise if things break well for them so always great to get Ryan aboard now it is that time the podcast I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. You note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at Janet underscore 81. 
we are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So, without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of, ironically enough, 901-902 on the betting board. We go back to Philadelphia as the Phillies hit the red face off against the Washington Nationals. Patrick Corbin is going to be going for the Nats, and Zach Wheeler is going to be on the bump for the Phillies. And the Phillies are one of the bigger favorites that you're going to find on the board. Between minus 230 and minus 240 is their number. Anywhere between plus $2 and plus 210, the price on Washington. 7.5 to 8 is the total on the 7.5. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. Who knows how long Patrick Corbin is going to be able to go in this game. And I will say, it's been a little bit of a renaissance for Patrick Corbin recently, giving up three runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. But Patrick Corbin had to leave his last start very early because he was dealing with a little bit of an injury. So as a result, he has not made a start in about 10 or so days. So you got to figure that that might throw him out of whack a little bit as overall for the season, it has been a rough year for Patrick Corbin. He's been better at home than he has been on the road. 469 home area compared to a 775 area on the road. But the Phillies, they have completely owned him in three starts he has allowed. And I'm not even kidding here. 20 runs, 13 of which are earned in 10 and two-thirds innings. So it's not been the world's greatest state of affairs there for Corbin. He's given up about 1.7 to 1.8 home runs per nine innings. And I will say for Zach Wheeler, he has had his road struggles this year as well. Buck 85 home area compared to a 411. ERA on the road, on the road, giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings. So, command has certainly been there as he's been giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. Corbin, more round three, but both of these teams had to partake in a doubleheader yesterday, so both bullpens are relatively gassed, especially with the Washington Nationals having just throw out there our good friend Tommy Romero to the Wolves in game number two. That was not necessarily too terrific, though. You do have Erasmo Ramirez, a little bit north of a three ERA. Carl Jr., Hunter RV, these two guys have been able to provide a sub three ERA. Mason Thompson, he's been acting up a little bit recently, and Jordan Weems, not necessarily terrific, but you know what? The Nationals bullpen, it's not too terrible, and I will say for the Philadelphia Phillies, they've got a bottom five bullpen in terms of ERA since the All-Star break, as you've had David Robertson and Brad Hamby saw, but currently you're without Brad Hans or Anthony Dominguez is coming off the injured list north of an ADRA. I'll say Alvarado has actually turned himself into a nice bullpen piece, but certainly you've got your issues on that front. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, got a lot of guys moving the line. Gene Segura, Alec Bohm, Bryce Harper, throwing their Garrett Stubbs, all these guys hitting north of a 270 for the sponge. Harper hasn't necessarily been himself since coming off the injured list, but still is very much a guy that's able to move the line. Kyle Schwarber, 43 home runs, hitting just a 212, but does a good job of being able to put back to ball. Bryson Sott since the All-Star break has been able to body 275 as well. And then Reese Hoskins, he's at north of 30 home runs this season for the Washington Nationals. It's been all about Joey Manessis. He's hitting right around 330, a home run every about 17, 18 at-bats. That's been big for a team that all of a sudden has been able to find more consistent at-bats. C.J. Abrams, Lane Thomas, Cesar Hernandez, Alex Call. These are guys all in between about a 235 to a 250. Luke Voigt in a Washington Nationals uniform. He's been able to hit about a 250 as well. Luis Garcia moves the line, hitting a 275. Eliermo Vargas has been solid as well. So I do think that you're going to get plenty of offense, certainly with the Phillies and the Nationals. Both of these teams are going to be spent in terms of their bullpen. And with Patrick Corbin coming off of a little bit of an injury his last time out, you've got to question how deep he's going to be able to go in this game as well. So as a result, did set my total at 8.4. I'm going to be taking a 
look the over. I just can't trust him. Patrick Corbin coming off of injury. I recognize he's been a little bit better, but that 6 CRA for the season is concerning. I'm seeing the run line of the Phillies at a minus 135. I was willing to go up to a minus 140, so look at Phillies run line to go along with this total over. 903-904 on the betting board. The New York Mets at the road faceoff against the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Bravos. And Chris Bassett as the hook, line, and sinker for the Mets. And the Mets, they are slight underdogs of anywhere between plus 105 to a plus 112. Meanwhile, anywhere between minus 118 to minus 125 is the number on Atlanta. 7.5 is the total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 118 with the Atlanta Braves. I personally am going to wait to see how this moves overnight. But at the minus 118 that I'm seeing right now, that is my absolute lowest of low buy points on Atlanta. But the reason why I'm going to wait is that this opened up with Atlanta being a minus 140 favorite. That would put me on the Mets. So I do anticipate a lot of money coming in both ways in terms of this. And we shall see how it shakes out because there's redeeming qualities with both of these teams. For the Mets, you've got a quadrant of guys in Francisco, Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, Mark Canna, Pete Alonso, only in between about a 262 to a 275 Alonzo and Lindor both are able to supply north of 90 RBI and then with Alonzo 40 home runs north of 130 RBI has been very terrific there we have seen guys like Daniel Vogel back the entire catcher spot for the Mets be a little bit hot and cold but certainly a tremendous lineup there and then for the Atlanta Braves how about all these guys Ronald Acuna Jr. Travis Arnault William Contreras Stansby Swanson Austin Riley all hitting at least a 262 for this team and then when it comes to Michael Harris the second he's been able to slug out right around 19 to 20 home runs He's hitting a 300. Austin Riley going into the game on Saturday. He had slugged out 38 home runs. Matt Olson hasn't been able to do the world's greatest job of moving the line, but he's got 31 home runs. And I do think that the Atlanta Braves have a little bit more of a bullpen advantage here as well. Rossi Iglesias, since he has come over from the LA Angels, he has been tremendous. Supposed to give a sub-1 ERA in Atlanta. Dylan Lee about a 225 ERA. Tyler Madzik has been providing a little bit north of a 3 ERA, but Colin McHugh, AJ Minter, sub-3 ERAs out of all those guys. And for the Mets, they're dealing with an injury to Tommy Hunter. Tyler McGill hasn't necessarily been able to find himself in the bullpen as well. Adam Bonavino has been solid. Sub-250 ERA and Seth Lugo post-all-star break. A 3 ERA. Now they do have the ultimate bullpen piece in Edwin Diaz, but I do give a little bit more of an advantage to the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton is a big game pitcher, and though he's been having his ups and downs this season, especially in terms of command, he has been giving up right around about 3.3 walks per nine innings. He has been significantly better in Atlanta with a 288 home ERA compared to a 572 ERA on the road, giving up a little bit over one home run per nine innings at home, more like 1.7 home runs per nine innings when he is on the road at his strikeouts per nine rate when he is at home. That is actually north of 12. Meanwhile, for Chris Bassett, he has been tremendous as well as both of these teams have been able to do a tremendous job of getting their team to the window. For Chris Bassett, the team is winning right around 70% of his starts, but he does act up a little bit on the road. 9-2 record on the road, but a 3.68 ERA. His home runs per nine rate on the road is right around 1.2 with opponents saying a 241 off of him. His strikeout numbers go down as well. So I do think that the Atlanta Braves have a little bit of an upper hand here. I was able to set them as a minus 118 favorite. So minus 118, absolute max I'm willing to lay with the Atlanta Braves. But at current numbers, I would be on the Braves. Semi-total at 7.6 as well because Morton does give out a few free passes. And Bassett has had issues on the road. So looking at the over as well with both of these high-powered offenses. 9-5, 9-6 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins at the road face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Get all TV determined. It's on the bump for the Milwaukee Brewers. And Pablo Lopez is going to be going for the fish, and if the Milwaukee Brewers would not be surprised if they trot out their Freddie Peralta because Adrian, don't call him Doogie Hauser, is now on the injured list, and 
If you've got Freddy Peralta on the mound, it means that he's probably not going to be going deep in this game because he came in in long relief very stupidly on Thursday. I have no idea what Craig Council was thinking in that situation, but I mean, this is a spot which, if we get Peralta, I'd be setting the Brewers more around a minus 148 favorite. If you get Jason Alexander, whew, that's not going to be good. I'd probably be dropping this line by at least 20 cents, and I do recognize that Pablo Lopez both also break his head in ERA that is hovering in the neighborhood of five, but he's been able to find it a little bit more recently. Recently. For Mr. Lopez, three runs or fewer given up in five out of his last six starts, so he's really been able to shape up actually six out of his last seven starts. And for Lopez, he's going to be able to give you red run eight and a half strikeouts for nine innings. It has been significantly better on the road than at home. 455 home ERA, 324 ERA on the road, and all of a sudden, the Miami Marlins have back one of their bets in Asu Sanchez. They now have two guys with a double-digit amount of home runs that are now in the lineup. So that helps them out a little bit. Now they still have guys like Peyton Budrick, J.J. Blade, Gerard Encarnacion that should not be seeing at-bats, but John Birdie is one of the best base dealers in baseball. He, Nick Fortes... Brian De La Cruz are in between about a 235 to a 240, which doesn't sound like much, but Mr. De La Cruz, he's hitting a 375 over the last 30 days. He's actually gotten white hot for the team and for the Milwaukee Brewers. They just rely a little bit too much on the deep ball. They rank in the top five in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per at-bat basis as Hunter Renfro, Roddy Tellez, William Adams all been able to slug out at least 28 home runs. But you really don't have that one table setter. That'd be Christian Yelichu. He went deep against his former team yesterday. He, Colton Wong, Renfro, I mentioned a little bit earlier. Jace Peterson, they're all in between about a 240 to a 255. And then Mike Brasso, when he's been out there, has been able to do a solid job. But I mean, really, other than Garrett Mitchell, who's seen fewer than 100 at bats this season, you don't necessarily have that one guy that's able to move the line now. The one thing for the Miami Marlins is that Edward Cabrera, he was limited to just three innings yesterday. So that is a big issue for the Miami Marlins because the bullpen, it's starting to get a little bit more thin. You got Richard Blyer, who gets called for box apparently along Dylan Floral, but supplying a little bit north of a three ERA. Been able to get some good innings out of Jake Fishman. He's got a sub 250 ERA, but Stephen Okert is currently on the injured list. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, they're probably going to need to dive deep into this bullpen as well. Hobie Milner post also break his head north of a 5-5 ERA. Peter Strzelski right around a 3 ERA. And they do get back Justin Topa. Topa's got a sub-3 ERA. I think that that's going to be going upward. Brian Boxberger right around a 3-3 ERA. And then Devin Williams is going to be the best bullpen piece in this game. But, I mean, if you get Freddie Peralta, you're probably going to get him for 3-4 to four innings. He's got command issues. And he was used out of the bullpen a few days ago. And then if you get Jason Alexander, well, just good luck to you there. So, this is a spot in which I did set the Brewers with Freddie Peralta at a minus 148. Would probably move this by 20 cents, maybe even a little bit more if it's not Freddie Peralta. And in Lopez versus Peralta, and I do think that this would be pretty consistent if we get a bullpen game from the Brewers. So my total to a 6.7 to where a 6.5 or less will be looking at the over 7 RIR to the under 907-908 on the betting board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are on the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals as Wayno Adam Wainwright is going to be going for the cards, and Odonsi Contreras is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. An underdog between plus 180 and plus 185. Minus $2, minus $210 is the number on St. Louis. 7 is the total. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. And the under, that is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And if you're taking a look at that St. Louis Cardinals run line, you're going to be getting that at a plus 105. And being able to get plus money on the St. Louis Cardinals run line, sign me up because I set the St. Louis Cardinals minus 219 on the money line, but was willing to lay up to a minus 109. 
when it comes to the run line as the St. Louis Cardinals did a very good job of knifing into that Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen yesterday as Luis Ortiz, who was the starter yesterday for the Pittsburgh Pirates, well, he got two outs and that's not too great. So you got a St. Louis Cardinals team that's coming in white hot. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, he combined 65 home runs entering into the game on Saturday. And then you've got Paul Goldschmidt hitting above a 400 in terms of on base, 320 overall in terms of batting average. Albert Pools, he's looking to extend his 701 home runs. He's been hitting above a 300 post all-star break along with Corey Dickerson. Dickerson has been able to do a really nice job of being able to move the line for this team. You've had Brandon Donovan at a right around a 350 at home this season. Lars Newtbar, a 345 on base. So certainly capable bats. And when it comes to the Pittsburgh Pirates, you do have some guys with some respectability. They bring in Miguel Anduar, which I think that that's intriguing as he, Rodolfo Castro, Cabrian Ace, these are guys sitting between about a 235 to a 245. And then Brian Ronalds, 26 home runs. He's got a 345 on base. He continues to give a good effort. Not to see the world's greatest on base with Jack Swazinski along with O'Neill Cruz, but both of those guys, 18 plus home runs this season. Guys like Jason DeLay, Cal Mitchell, Josh Van Meter, these have not been good bats for the team, but they get back Kevin Newman, who's hitting about a 275. Problem for the Pirates is they've got a bottom five bullpen to start with, and now it's just completely gas. And I would not be surprised if Veronsi Contreras is on a little bit of an innings limit. Young 22 year old who has been remarkable for this Pittsburgh Pirates team as he has allowed two runs or fewer in now six out of his last seven starts. He got blown up a little bit when he went up against the New York Yankees. That'll happen when you go up against the New York Yankees, but for Contreras, right around a 415. Rodier, right? giving up about 1.25 home runs per nine innings when he is on the road, and command is a little bit of an issue. He's been giving up about 3.7 walks per nine innings. Adam Wainwright, he has been significantly better at home rather than on the road. 261 home ERA compared to a 473 ERA when he is away from home. Five home runs given up in earned seven innings at home. He's been a little bit lucky on that front as opponents overall are hitting about 8.259 off of him, but he's also backed up by the better bullpen, even with Genesis Cabrera being out of the fold for this team. You've got Giovanni Gallegos, who's been able to provide right around a 3 ERA. Ryan Helsley, he still has that sub-2 ERA. Andre Pallanti, he's able to do a good job as a long guy. And then you've got Zach Thompson. No, not the Pirate Zach Thompson, but rather the Cardinals Zach Thompson with a sub-2 ERA. As the Pirates said, he used up their Zach Thompson yesterday in long relief as well. But you also do take a look at Chris Stratton since he's gotten to St. Louis, providing right around a 3 ERA as well. So I do think that the Cardinals just fly out have the Pirates outgunned in this spot. Sub-8 at 7.6. I'm going to be looking at the over-7 just too low in this spot because I do think that Wainwright doing for a little bit of regression. But this is a Pirates bullpen. Very, very taxing. And they gave up plenty of runs yesterday. So going to be taking a look at the over. And I'm going to be taking a look at the Cardinals on the run line. 909. 9-10 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs. They are going to be playing us to the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Chase Anderson getting the start for them, and Marcus Stroman is going to be on the bump for the Cubs. Cubs are currently minus 160 to minus 165 on the money line. No run lines or total, because with Wrigley Field, the wind is always a big, giant question mark, and from everything I am seeing, the wind is going to be blowing in right around about 8 to 10 miles per hour, so I set my total at 7.2, 7 or less, looking at the over 7.5 or higher to the under, obviously, forecast. Subject to change, I am far from a weatherman, but I mean, if I'm able to get a minus 110 or less with the Cubs on the run line, which I'm thinking that I should based on the money line price right now, that's where I would be looking because with Marcus Stroman, he has had his struggles at home, but he has just drawn a lot of bad days out in Wrigley Field in general where the wind is blowing up because you take a look at Marcus Stroman's home and road splits. He's got a 206 road ERA with a 471 home ERA with the big reason why he struggled at home being that he's given up about 1.7 to 1.8 home runs 
per nine innings. His command has been solid as overall for the season. He's giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings, so he's done a good job there. His strikeouts per nine rate never has been too supreme, right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And credit where credit is due. Jace Anderson, he's been able to pitch significantly better recently as he's given up a combined five earned runs over the course of his last five starts. Now, in three of those starts, he went four innings or fewer, and the other two, he went five. But you know what? He's been able to shape up a little bit. He's been able to do a nice job, but I do think that regression is coming in on his opponent's batting average of a buck 82 as he's actually been able to get nine strikeouts per nine innings, but I think a little bit of this is some of the competition he's been going up against, and he's also been giving up four and a half walks per nine innings. Credit where credit is due in terms of this Reds bullpen as you've got Francisco Cruz along with Alexis Sias. Both of these guys have been able to supply a sub-two bullpen ERA. And for the Reds, they've got a top 10 bullpen ERA since the All-Star break, so they've been able to do a solid job on that front. Some like a Buck Farmer got used yesterday. He's been able to do a solid job for the team, even some like an Ian Gabo. But when it comes to Reds, very top-heavy lineup. You've got guys like Kyle Farmer, Jonathan India, TJ Friedel, and Jake Fraley hitting between about a 245 to 255. Not a ton of power with any of those guys. You've got Donovan Solano hitting about a 290, but then when you get down to guys like Aristide Sakino, Jose Barrero, Austin Romine throwing there their young guy in Mike Sani. These are guys hitting below a 200. And then for the Chicago Cubs, a little bit more balance as C.A. Suzuki, Ian App, Throwing there, Nico Horner, all these guys hitting at least a 265 for the bunch. You don't necessarily have a lot of firepower in terms of hitting the deep ball, but Patrick with some 25 home runs, only hitting about a 210 for the team. Though Wilson Contreras, he's back at the full 345 on base, 20 plus home runs out of him as well. And for the Chicago Cubs, they have been able to rip off nine wins in their last 10 games, and they posted up a sub three ERA in this band. They've been able to get some good bullpen pitching out of guys like Emmanuel Rodriguez and Mark Leiter Jr. Leiter Jr. was terrible when they tried him out as a starter in the bullpen. He's been able to provide a sub three ERA in that role. Brandon Hughes, he's got right around a three ERA, been able to get some good innings as well out of even someone like a Michael Rucker. So I do think that the Cubs, they should be able to hold it down. I think that Marcus Stroman going to be able to do a nice job in this spot. I set the Cubs more around a minus two dollar favorite. I'm just not buying in Chase Anderson having a couple nice starts because he's going to be able to go a maximum of about five innings in this spot. So I'm going to be most likely taking a look at the Cubs on the run line unless we see something very demonstrative. And then seven or less looking at the over a seven half or higher going to be taking a look at the under in terms of the total as well. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They throw a face off against the San Francisco Giants as it's good old to be determined who's going to be on for the San Francisco Giants and Zach Davies is going to be on the bump for Arizona. I was looking like Logan Webb a little bit earlier and if you get Logan Webb for the Giants, I'm willing to set them as a minus 175 favorite as he has been very, very solid, but we don't know if it's going to be Logan Webb or not, so I won't give too much analysis there. And if it's a bullpen game, this probably falls by about 50 or so cents. A Giants bullpen game might be setting more in the neighborhood, about a minus 125, somewhere in that neighborhood, depending upon who's all going to be going, because Zach Davies has actually been able to do a relatively solid job for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, got lit up a little bit in his last start against the Houston Astros, giving up four runs, but he has now allowed three runs or fewer in out of his last 11 starts, nine of them, so he's been able to shape up quite a bit. He does have his struggles on the road, 498 road ERA, but San Francisco, very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and the one start that he's had against the Giants this season gave up one run over the course of five innings. Davies has also been able to do a little bit of a better job of controlling the deep balls. Overall for the season, he's been giving up about 1.7 home runs per nine innings. That has been a little bit grody for him, but 
has been able to do much more of a better job recently, giving up just one bomb over the course of his last two starts, and I do think that he is going to be able to do a better job against a San Francisco Giants team in which they just don't have a lot of firepower, and once again, this is a San Francisco ballpark that is one of the best for pitchers in all the big leagues. You do have Jock Peterson. He's been able to go deep north of 20 times. He's hitting a 275, and then got a trio of guys in Austin Slater, Joey Vossler, Theria Estrada, in between about a 260 to 270, but you have a bunch of guys like Dom VR, or Mikey Strzemski, who's been able to crank out the deep ball a little bit. Joey Bart, you're able to go down the list of guys in at 220 or lower. The Giants, they've been very much doing all that they can in terms of their platoon splits, but they just don't have a lot of firepower in this lineup. And then for the years and the Diamondbacks, they rank in the bottom 10 in terms of batting average overall this season, but they've been able to find some young guys like Stone Garrett and Jake McCarthy to move the line in between about a 285 to a 290 and for the years and the Diamondbacks. They crank out only about 0.85 home runs per game when they are at home, but on the road, that expands to more around 1.3, which... It's fine to be very intriguing when you take a look at that split, but you've got a pair of guys like Christian Walker and Dalton Varsho. Both of these guys, coupled with Keitel Marte, in between about a 235 to a 245, but between these two gentlemen, you've seen them crank out between 62 and 63 home runs this season. They've also had Corbin Carroll come up, and he's been able to body 260 for the team as well. Now, the one thing that you fear with the years and the Diamondbacks, which is why it still set them as an underdog, even in a bullpen game, this bullpen has been absolutely terrible as they've got north of a 5-5 ERA over the last 40 days. You've got a lot of guys that are very untrustworthy right now. Joe Mantiply is a sub-3 ERA, but we have seen the ERAs of guys like Ian Kennedy, Mark Melanson, along with Taylor Widener, Caleb Smith, all go north of 5. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, they've been able to figure it out a little bit more in terms of bullpen. John Brebbia, Alex Young, Camilio Duvall, Jarrell Cotton, all these guys are supplying a sub-3 ERA, so that has been very heartening to see with the San Francisco Giants. So this is a scenario where if you get Logan Webb, I'm willing to set them as more around a minus-175 favorites in terms of the Giants, and it would be a case in which a 7.5 for less will be looking at the over and 8 or higher to the under. Most likely the same in terms of if we see a bullpen game in terms of that total as well, but would be probably dropping the Giants to more around a minus-125-ish favorite. So we shall see what we get in the AM. 913-914 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies at third face off against the LA Dodgers. Tyler Anderson is going to be going for the Dodgers. Urban Marquez is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies. And shocker, the Rockies are a big underdog. Getting them between plus 245 and plus 250. Between minus 280 and minus 295. The number on the Dodgers, eight is the total. The over and the under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. If you're looking at the Dodgers run line, you're getting it anywhere between minus 130 to a minus 135. And I'm willing to lay up to a minus 135 in this scenario. Really not willing to go too much more than a minus 135. But I'm going to be willing to lay it because with the LA Dodgers, I believe that they've only won... 14 of their games in which they've been a favorite in by one run, which means that they've been able to cover the run line more than 85 times as a favorite this season. It's just absolutely remarkable what this LA Dodgers team is able to do, and you've just got so much firepower in terms of this Dodgers lineup. It all starts with Mookie Betts, 35-plus home runs, hitting right around 270. He has been nothing short of magnificent for the team, but then on top of that, Max Muncie, Will Smith, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, all between 20 and 24 home runs. Smith has been able to provide about a 350 on base. You've got Freeman hitting about a 325. Trey Turner is hitting about a 300 as well. Gavin Lux has been amazing at about a 285. You just have firepower and firepower. And then for the Colorado Rockies, they had about 1.1 home runs per game when they're at home. That falls to about 0.6 when they're on the road. CJ Chrome, for instance, 29 home runs this season, just seven of them 
have come on the road. Randall Gritchick, he hits about a 320 at home. That drops by over 100 points when he's on the road. These splits are magnificent. And for Jose Iglesias, he's really the only guy that's able to hit on the road. He's hitting about a 300 when he is away from Colorado. But on top of that, with Colorado Rockies, Alex Colomay has seen his ERA go north of 5 it's not been too terrific tie block. Has not been able to find it. Dawson Lamette has been good in the bullpen, but he passed out. You don't have a lot of redeeming qualities. And then for the LA Dodgers, lots of unsung heroes that with a sub 2 3 ERA this season. Evan Phillips, Alex Vesia, Yancy Almonte, Caleb Ferguson, all these guys have been terrific. They get Bursard or Griderall back. You want to be avoiding our good friend Craig Kimbrell, if at all possible. But for Tyler Anderson, he's actually a former Colorado Rocky, and every single time he's hit the field against them, he's been able to do a very solid job with Anderson. A 2.54 ERA overall for the season, 2.18 ERA at home. So that has been even better when he's been in L.A. But the big thing with him is that he's only issuing about 1.75 walks Per nine innings has done a nice job keeping the ball in the yard about 0.7 home runs per nine innings when he is at home. And with the recent starts of Tyler Anderson, as he's actually been on a little bit of paternity leave, I do believe. So he's been away for some personal issues. But his last four starts, he has given up just five earned runs in that time span. Meanwhile, Irma Marquez has been better when he has been on the road than at home. As his home ERA, that is a 670 compared to a 357 on the road. And he's been on the road giving up about 1.1 home runs per nine innings. And the opponent's batting average falls by over 100 points when he is on the road. Things have been acting up for him once again in his last five starts. A 590 ERA giving up seven bombs across 29 innings. So that's far from great. He's got a 564 ERA overall against the LA Dodgers this season, giving up five bombs and four starts. So I do think that there's going to be bombardment in this game as I'm going to be taking a look at the LA Dodgers on the run line. And when it comes to total, set it at an 8.1. I think that the Dodgers are going to do a lot of damage on this total. So looking at the Dodgers run line to go along with this total over 915-916 on the betting board, the Detroit Tigers are going to be playing us to the Minnesota Twins as it's good old to be determined going for the Minnesota Twins. Meanwhile, Joey Wentz is going to be on the bump for the Tigers. It was looking like Bailey over a little bit earlier, and if you do get Bailey over, I'd be saying the Twins at a minus 124. If you get a bullpen game, this is going to be pretty close to a pick em price, because with the Minnesota Twins, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice as to what you're going to be able to get out of this bullpen, as they've had to use it quite a bit just recently in the last few weeks with Sonny Gray going on the injured list. You had the long guy in Ronnie Enriquez have to go into the game yesterday as well, so that burns that option. And for the Minnesota Twins, they've just been dealing with a bunch of injuries in general, with Byron Buxton and Ori Palonco being out of the fold for the last month or so. You do still have quite a few guys that are able to move the line for the team, as Jose Miranda and Nick Gordon both hitting between about a 272, 280, and then you got Carlos Correa and Gio Urshela hitting north of a 280, with Correa being able to slug out 20 plus home runs, but not a lot of firepower in terms of the home run ball when it comes to the Minnesota Twins. So you do have Luis Arise hitting about a 315 for the team. It would sound like Matt Walner has been able to move the line along to Gilberto Celestino. And for the Detroit Tigers, the offense has been able to wake up aside from when they make them the DK Nation pick on Friday. But that said, you've got a lot of guys like a Riley Green, Eric Haas, hitting in that neighborhood about a 250 to a 260. You've had still your struggling bats like Akil Badu, Spencer Torkelson, 
Ryan Kreidler continued to be absolutely embarrassing for the team. But Harold Castro, seeing a 275 whenever Miguel Cabrera has been out there, he's been with about a 250 for this team. Avi Paez, over the last 35 days, has been aiming above a 300. Problem for the Tigers is that ever since the beginning of the month of August, their bullpen ERA has cratered as it has been in the bottom half of the big leagues. As overall for the season, it's right around 8th, but Jason Foley is now right around a 4 ERA. Daniel Norris has been absolutely terrible in this bullpen. Alex Lang is now posting up about a 360 ERA. And for the Minnesota Twins, you got to figure that Yohan Duran probably going to be seeing some run. He's got a sub-2 ERA. He has been tremendous in this bullpen. Trevor McGill is one of your other long guys, but overall for the season, he's got a 480 ERA, but in the last 30 days, and he has posted up north of an 11 ERA, so it's not been too terrific. I do think that we're going to see a lot of mixing and matching with the Minnesota Twins. If you do get Bailey over, he's been able to do a solid job. I'd be willing to set them at a minus 124, but I do take a look at Joey Wentz, and I do think that he's got quite a bit of upside here for the Detroit Tigers as you take a look at his last start, and he was solid against the Kansas City Royals, giving up three runs of five innings, but prior to that, zero runs were under and five and two-thirds innings against the Baltimore Orioles, and for that matter, he's given up five runs over the course of his last five starts, so he has shaped up now. One of those starts was against this very Minnesota Twins team in which we went four innings, two starts against the Royals, a start against the Baltimore Orioles, so not necessarily the world's greatest of competition, but Joey Wentz starting to pick it up. He's getting about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but bigger than that is a command fewer than three walks per nine innings that has translated from the minor league level. So if you get over versus Joey Wentz, we'll be setting the Twins as a minus 124 favorite, and it'll be a scenario in which a seven and a half or less, I'd be looking at over eight or higher to the under. If you get a bullpen game of the Twins, would be willing to go eight or less to the over and then eight and a half or higher to the under and it would be closer to a pick and price. 917-918 is going to be the DK Nation pick as you got the New York Yankees playing us the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Bradish is going to be going for the Orioles and Luis Severino is on the bump for the Yankees. Total on this game is 7 over is minus 120. The under is even. When it comes to the Yankees, between minus 180 and minus 190 is their number as a favorite and between plus 160 and plus 170 is the price on Baltimore and if you're looking at the run line of the New York Yankees, you're getting that anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120 and that's what's really calling my name as I needed at least a plus 110 to be a firing on the Yankees but what I'm going to be doing my DK Nation write up on is the over. I set my total at an 8.2 so getting a 7 I like it and even if you see this get up to a 7.5 I would still certainly be taking a look at this total over. The Yankees have officially found it once again with their offense. They are the only American League team that is averaging at least 5 runs per game and you saw them hit the over all by themselves yesterday. You got to think that you're going to get a little bit more support from the Baltimore Orioles than the zippity doo day that they put up against the New York Yankees yesterday. As for the Baltimore Orioles you still have a lot of guys that they do a good job of moving the line. Ryan McKenna is hitting about a 240 and then you've got all these guys hitting between about a 248 to a 260 as you've got Ramon Urias, Ryan Moncastle, Adley Rushman, Cedric Mullins, Austin the Say's kid. So that helps them out. Gunnar Henderson sitting about a 265 and then with Anthony Santander he's been hitting about a 250 he's got north of 30 home runs for the team and then for the New York Yankees Aaron Judge very much on the prowl trying to get home run number 62 he has been able to do it all for the team but now he's got back in the fold John Carlos Sand and Anthony Rizzo a duo of guys hitting a combined 61 home runs this season. Now, both of these guys are only 229, and you've got Josh Donaldson, who has not been able to do a great job in terms of his batting average either, but Donaldson, a 315 on base, Rizzo, a 340 on base as well, so these are guys who are able to move the line, and for the Baltimore Orioles recently, the bullpen has went straight down the toilet bowl. I think that just overuse in general is earning them as Keegan Aiken, along with 
Joey Crebio, both of these guys have seen their ERA go north of a 3-5. You still have Cienor Perez, Solante, Felix Batista, sub-3 ERAs. Uh, those guys, Brian Baker, he's been a little bit all over the place this season with right around a 3.65 ERA. And for the New York Yankees, you certainly have been able to get some good bullpen pitching out of guys like a Lucas Lutke, Ron Medanacchio, both of these guys, a sub-3 ERA overall for the season. And Jonathan Luizigo, very silently, has been very good in this bullpen. He's got a sub-250 ERA over the last 50 days, so he's been able to do a nice job there. You've been able to have Lou Trevino pick it up ever since he's come over from Oakland as well, so redeeming qualities there. But I do question what you're going to be able to get out of Luis Severino. He was missing throughout much of the second half of the season, and for Luis Severino, coming off of injury, we don't know if we're actually going to be able to get him in this game as well, which is why I also say if this total goes up, don't be afraid to still take it over because right now I'm seeing reports that we might get Chichi Gonzalez who starts this game as well. And if you get Chichi Gonzalez, well, I can tell you as a Milwaukee Brewers fan, he made four starts with the team and the final three all went over by a country mile. This guy is terrible. If you give Chichi Gonzalez, it's a 687 ERA for him. And just for his career, he's got north of a 5 ERA. This guy gives up gopher balls like it's absolutely nobody's business. And obviously with the New York Yankees, if you get Chichi Gonzalez here, this is going to be a shrinkage of the line of... At the very minimum, 30 to 35 cents. I'm going to need to see if he's going to be a little bit more of a bulk guy or if he's going to be just merely an opener. But Chichi Gonzalez, not good news. So, I mean, this is a spot where I set my toe at an 8.2 with the anticipation that Luis Severino was going to be going. So, I certainly like the 7 over. If this goes up to an 8 with Chichi Gonzalez going, I'm willing to go up to like more of an 8F, maybe even a 9 to the over because, I mean, Chichi Gonzalez is that big of a fade and I'd be dropping the Yankees by about 40 or so cents from the minus 175 to minus 180 that I was looking at a little bit earlier. Probably would still be landing on the Yankees in some form or fashion, but the DK Nation write-up, that is going to be on the over because there is no trusting in really Severino or Chichi Gonzalez in this spot. So I do think that the Baltimore Orioles do wake up. If you do get Luis Severino, we'll be taking a look at the run line of the New York Yankees. If you do get Chichi Gonzalez, would probably be dropping my minus 175 of the Yankees down to about more like a minus 135 to a minus 140. So we shall see there. But DK Nation right up. Going to be on the over. We're expecting a lot of runs in the Bronx on Sunday. 919-920 on the betting board. It is the Boston Red Sox. They are going to be on the road facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Kevin Gosman is going to be going for the Jays. Michael Waka is on the bump for Boston. Boston is an underdog between plus 160 and plus 165. And with Toronto, it's anywhere between minus 180 and minus 190. A to Z total. Over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Seeing a stray, minus 120 on the under, and that over is even. But when it comes to Waka and company, I did set the Boston Red Sox as an underdog of a plus 152. I'm going to be willing to fire in on them. For the Boston Red Sox, they've had a lot of success when Michael Waka has been on the mound. They are 16-6. and six. And it starts as far this season. So I do think that that is going to be able to lend for some positivity for this team. As Michael Walker got just completely smoked in his last start against the Baltimore Orioles. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That was not too terrific. But you take a look at the way that Walker has been able to perform on the road. 346 road ERA, 6-0 record, giving up 7 home runs in 67 and 2 thirds innings. If you do take a look at the fielding independent, he's probably doing for a little bit of regression because his strikeout numbers are down. He's only getting about 7 strikeouts per 9 innings, but it's done a great job with the walks, about 2.3 walks per 9 innings. And Kevin Gosman has not been good at home. I don't know how, I don't know why, but he's got a 230 road ERA compared to a 452 home ERA. 
with Toronto, it's not like it's super pitcher friendly, but it's not also super hitter friendly either. It's one of the more neutral ballparks that you're going to find in the big leagues and opponents are a 305 off of him. I think that he has been a victim of bad luck this year when he's been at home, but at the same time, he's not missing a lot of barrels in general, despite the fact that he's giving up right around 0.75 home runs per nine innings. Now, with the Toronto Blue Jays, they back him up with a very good lineup as you've got five different guys that will slug out at least 23 home runs a season. Among all of them, the only guy that is sitting below a 263, that's Matt Chapman with right around a 320 on base to boot with that. But with Vigero Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, Boba Chapman, who I mentioned before, George Springer, they've all been able to supply the deep ball. And then you've got Alejandro Kirk hitting a 290 for the team. Romeo Tapia has done a good job with some injuries on the team of being able to help mix and match because they've been without Lourdes Gurriel for quite a while. And he's been able to fill in admirably. And when it comes to Blue Jays, they certainly have the bullpen advantage as the Boston Red Sox since the All-Star break there. Dead last in terms of bullpen ERAs, you've got Jacob Germany, Caleb Ord, Brian Brazier, Matt Barnes, all providing north of a five ERA. But when it comes to the Blue Jays, you've been able to have a lot of guys like Anthony Bass who they picked up at the deadline. You've got Jordan Romano, the closer, Tim Meza, David Phelps, Adam Simber, all these guys providing a sub-3-2 ERA. And for Boston, you still have Matt Stram, who's been able to do a solid job, but not having Garrett Woodlock, that does hurt them quite a bit. But certainly think that the Boston Red Sox going to do better than the goose egg that they put up yesterday. You've got a lot of guys that they do a nice job of moving the line. Rob Snyder and Xander Bogarts both hitting above a 300. Rafael Devers, more on that. Neighbor about a 290, and he's been able to supply 27 home runs now. Problem is the only other guy with north of 16 home runs for the team. And Sami Pham was hitting about a 250 since he's come over for the team. They've got Christian Arroyo back to full tee and Alex Verdugo in between about a 275 to 285. Got a couple of dead bats towards the bottom of the fold. Guys like Akike Hernandez, Connor Wong... These are guys that you need to get a little bit more out of, but I do think that Michael Walker is going to be able to turn a relatively solid start here, and Kevin Gosman has had his issues in Toronto. Something to 7.8. I do think that Walker is going to be able to find it a little bit more. I think that there's going to be some positivity for Gosman at home as well, so looking at the under, but wanted to take this big plus price with the Red Sox as well. 921-922 on the betting board. It is the Kansas City Royals. They're going to be on the road facing off against the Cleveland Guardians. Shane Bieber has a fever for cash and tickets, and he goes for Cleveland, and Maximo Castillo is going to be on the bump for Kansas City with the Guardians there between minus 210 and minus 225 favorites and anywhere between plus 190 and plus $2 is your number on Kansas City. 7 is the total over and under both at minus 110 if you're looking at the run line of Cleveland. That is anywhere between even money and plus 105 and was willing to lay up to a minus 115 with this Guardians run line with Maximo Castillo. This is pretty much an opener plus right now because Maximo Castillo you take a look at what he's done ever since he's come over from the Toronto Blue Jays and he's won five innings or fewer in all three of his starts. And, well, he has gotten barbecued in those starts, giving up a combined nine runs over the course of 13 and two-thirds innings. He's a guy that I think has a lot of upside, but he gives up the deep ball quite a bit as he's been allowing right around 1.6 home runs for nine innings. He's a young 23-year-old that I think that with time, he's going to be very solid as he's getting about eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And he does have a roadie or a 343, but I mean, it's just been all over the place for him. And then you take a look at Shane Bieber and this guy's been there, done that. He is a former Cy Young Award winner coming off of a rough start against the Tampa Bay Rays, but really past that, the guy has been absolutely masterful as the last time he had given up 
more than three runs in a start. He had to go back all the way to July 24th. I believe that he had 12 straight starts in which he had given up three earned runs or fewer. And when it comes to Bieber, it's actually been a little bit worse at home than on the road. But Cleveland weather right now is not too terrific. It's a little bit colder. It's been dealing with a lot of wetness in general. So that should be able to help him out quite a bit as Bieber overall for the season 332 home year, 265 year on the road. With opponents taking just a 215 off of him when he is at home. And he's done a terrific job in terms of just command in general. As overall for the season, he's been giving up about 1.6 blocks per nine innings, about 0.8 home runs per nine innings as well. And he's going up against the Kansas City Royals lineup that they were able to get things going yesterday. And they've been able to do a solid job of moving the line. They don't have a lot of firepower. Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez, both are guys with 20-plus home runs this season. Both of these guys hitting in that neighborhood about a 255, but really past that, you don't have a lot. Someone like Drew Waters has been able to step up. He's now hitting about a 250, along with Mike Massey hitting about a 250. MJ Melendez has not been able to move the line along with Kyle Isabel, but Ed Olivares along with Vinny Pescantino. These guys are hitting between about 285 to 295, and then you take a look at the Cleveland Guardians' bottom three team in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, but Almeida Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, you're able to throw in their, their young guy as well, Will Brandon. All these guys are hitting at least a 270 for the team. Josh Naylor has been able to crank out a little bit of the deep ball as well, hitting about a 250. He's gone deep 19 times, and then with Ramirez, he's the main matcher, over 120 RBI, right around 29 home runs out of him. But the Cleveland Guardians, they just got this Royals team outgunned in terms of bullpen. Emmanuel Classe, James Karinchek, both of these guys, a sub-2 ERA in the 8th and ninth inning. And then you've got so many guys are able to come out with a sub 3-2 ERA. Sam Antiches, Angel De Los Santos, Nick Sandlin, Trevor Steven, and then for the Kansas City Royals bottom bullpen in the American League in terms of ERA. You do have a pair of guys in Dylan Coleman and Scott Barlow that I trust, and they get Taylor Clark back. These guys have a sub-3-2 ERA, but Luke Weaver, Anthony Machevich, Carlos Hernandez, Amir Garrett, these are guys with north of 5 ERA. So I do think that Bieber should have a fever for being able to get outs and being able to get some money in your pocket. So I draw a 6.9 because weather has not been great in Cleveland. That's going to cause for a little bit more of a picture-friendly environment. I'm taking a look at the under. I'm with Cleveland. Taking a look at the run line. I think that they shut down the Kansas City Royals. I think the Castillo, he's going to give up some runs. 9-23, on the betting board, the Tampa Bay Rays at the red faceoff against the Houston Astros. Luis Garcia is going to be going for the Astros and Corey Kluber is on the bump for Tampa Bay. 7.5 is the total. Under setting between minus 120 to a minus 125. Overs between even and plus 105. Between minus 160 and minus 170 is what you're laying on. Houston between plus 145 and plus 150. The number on the Tampa Bay Rays and with the Rays needed at least that plus 145 to get there. But now that we're seeing a plus 150, I'm going to be willing to fire in on them. And the big thing when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays is that Corey Kluber, you know what you're going to be able to get out of him. You're going to be able to get really good command and you know that you're going to get a professional start as he has been giving up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings, but he's been consistent at home versus on the road as well. At home, right around 371 ERA, 515 ERA on the road, but overall for the season, about 1.6 blocks per nine innings. Opponents have been able to hammer him relatively hard recently as he's got a 518 ERA over the course of his last five starts. It's only given up one home run in that time span, but opponents hitting a 317 against him. And for Luis Garcia, what I find to be very fascinating is that he has been significantly worse at home than he has been on the road. A complete reversal from last season, where his home area was about a point and a half lower than it was on the road. This year, 285 road area, 469 area at home, and at home this season, 
Luis Garcia has given up about 1.8 home runs per nine innings. The command has actually been significantly better with him as he's given up about 2.6 walks per nine innings. And both of these teams back up their starters with really, really good bullpens. As for the Houston Astros, they are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Seth Martinez, but you've got Rafael Montero, Brian Abreu, throwing there, Ryan Stanek, all these guys posting up a sub-3 ERA. Ryan Presley has been rock solid, and ever since coming over to Houston, Will Smith has been a little bit better, posting up about a 3-4 ERA, whereas north of 4 with Atlanta. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, Pete Fairbanks and Jason Adam, they've both been able to supply a sub-2 ERA now. They've got someone like an Easton McGee in the bullpen, which is not necessarily too great, but Brooks Raley, he's got a sub-250 ERA compooch. He's been a little bit up and down, but he's starting to find it. Along J.T. Chargois, he's gotten his ERA back down to a 280. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, big issue that you've got with this team, only two guys have north of 12 home runs this season. That'd be Isaac Paredes along with Randy Rosarena for Rosarena. He and Juan Franco in between about a 265 to 275. And then you've got guys like a Francisco Mejia, a little bit of a young guy, Miles Mastroboni, who are hitting about a 240 to a 250. David Peralta's in that fold as well, but David Peralta. 12 home runs with the ears and the Diamondbacks currently zero with the Tampa Bay Rays. Cyril Ramirez is hitting above a 300, and the team gets back Yandy Diaz. Ian Manuel Margot hitting above a 275, and then for the Houston Astros, Jordan Alvarez. He's been able to crank out over 35 deep balls. He has really been able to find himself the last few weeks after post-officer Reiki wasn't looking like himself. That's a good sign. Jose Altuve along with Kyle Tucker. Both have been able to slug out between 28 and 29 home runs apiece with Altuve approaching a 300 batting average. You've had Alex Bregman supply 23 home runs, 370 on base for him. Jeremy Pena, he's up to 20 bombs. He's hitting a 250. Alamendi Diaz is hitting a 250. So no breaks in this Houston Astros lineup. But I do think that both of these guys are going to be able to deliver a solid start. I think that Luis Garcia has been getting a little bit unlucky at home. And I think that Craig Kluber has been getting a little bit unlucky on balls in play as well. So one to take the plus 150 with the Tampa Bay Rays. Here at the 7 half, looking at the under though. With heavy juice on the 7 half, if this goes to a 7, I would rather have a 7 over rather than a 7 half under. So I'm watching out for that. But at current numbers, we'll be taking the 7 half under to go along with the Tampa Bay Rays. 925, 926 on the bang board. The LA Angels are going to be playing against the Texas Rangers. To be determined is on the bump for the Rangers. Looking like Spencer Howard and Tucker Davidson is going to be on the bump for the Angels. If it is Mr. Spencer Howard, I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 150 with the LA Angels because Spencer Howard is just a big giant fade and you want absolutely no part of him. He's got north of a 5 ERA this season. He has been putrid every single time they've called him up to the big leagues. I have no idea why prospect guys were ever high in the sky whatsoever. He's got some swing and miss stuff, but every single time he goes through the order a second time, which is very rare. It's not been well. Meanwhile, for Tucker Davidson, well, it's not going well for him either as he's got a 680 ERA over for the season and it's north of 7 with the LA Angels. In his last three starts, he's given up 14 runs and 13 and a third innings. I mean, really, you've got two poop saints who are going to be going out there starting for the Texas Rangers because if it's not going to be Spencer Howard, it's probably going to be someone like a Taylor Hearn and you don't want any part of someone like a Taylor Hearn. So it's not going to be terrific. So if it is a bullpen game for the Rangers, relatively a similar number as a nine or less, I'm looking at the over and a nine or at or higher. Going to be taking a look at the under. For the Texas Rangers, you've got three guys that entered into Saturday with 26 home runs. Nate Lowe, Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, and then one guy with 32 and Corey Seager. The guys not named Low are in between about a 245 to 255, and then Low he's been able to 300. Papa Thompson is hitting at 275. Leonie Tavares he's hitting at 260. So it's a solid lineup with the Texas Rangers. And then for the LA Angels, 
Shoy Otani, Mike Trout, a combined 72 home runs entering into Saturday's matchup. And then you've got these two guys, a couple of Taylor Ward, Luis Renifo, all hitting between 272 to a 285. Matt Duffy has been able to give you a little bit of something. He and David Fletcher, think about it, 255, been able to get some good results recently out of Levon Soto, but only 39 at bats. When you get down to the bottom of the fold for the LA Angels, guys like Andrew Velasquez, Kurt Suzuki, Joe Adele, hitting at 225 or less, that can be a little bit grody, but the top lineup, it is certainly there. And for the Texas Rangers, they don't have the world's worst bullpen. Brock Burke, Matt Moore, both of these guys, a sub-275 ERA. Jonathan Hernandez, he's lowered his ERA to about a 230 as well. John King has been a little bit all over the place. You could see Tyson Miller perhaps get the start as well. I know that they trotted him out there for a start earlier this season. That's not someone that I'd be willing to trust in too much. And for the LA Angels, you don't want to trust too much in this bullpen, but you've seen someone like a Jimmy Harrogat provide a sub-3 ERA. Zach Weiss is on to about a 250 ERA. Andrew Wants has been okay. Aaron Loop, Ryan Tabera, these guys have been Buster Rooney's for the team. So a little bit of a miss in terms of that Angels bullpen, but I certainly think that runs are going to be a plenty, whether it's Spencer Howard or a bullpen game. Saying the Angels more on about a minus 149 favorite would need at least a plus 138 to take a look at the run line laying around half with the Angels. Nine or less looking at the over 9.5 prior to the under 9.27, on the betting board. It is the Oakland A's and they're at face off against the Seattle Mariners as you've got Robbie Ray going for the Mariners and James Caprillion going for Oakland. 7 is the total over and under both at minus 110 with Oakland. They're between plus 225 and plus 235 between minus 260 and minus 265, the number on Seattle. And with the Seattle Mariners, set them as a minus 225 favorite. We have gotten to a price in which I'm going to be willing to take a look at the Oakland A's as James Caprillion somehow, someway, despite the fact that he gives up a right around four walks per nine innings, he doesn't do a great job of getting swings and misses as his strikeouts per nine rate. That's a little bit above 6.2. He's been able to do an okay job recently, and he's got a sub-4 ERA when he's on the road, north of 5 at home, which makes no sense because Oakland is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, but he's been able to control the deep ball on the road as well, giving up just under one home run per nine innings, and over his last few starts, he's been okay. A combined 19 innings in his last three starts, giving up five runs. He has not given up a single home run, so he's been able to do a solid job there, and in five starts against Seattle, he's done well. 318 ERA, giving up just two home runs at 20 and a third innings, and the deep ball is what you have to fear with the Seattle Mariners because they're second in the American League in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, but they're also dead last in the American League in terms of batting average since the All-Star break. You do have a couple guys that are able to move the line with Julio Rodriguez being a bit banged up. That has certainly hurt them, and that is a big reason why you've had the Seattle Mariners team being a little bit of a funk, but you do have Ty France hitting about a 275. He, Cal Raleigh, Carlos Santana, they've been able to provide 19 to 26 home runs apiece, but when it comes to Santana, Cal Raleigh, Jesse Winker, able to throw in there even someone like an Abraham Toro. These are guys at 220 or lower. That's been rather grody. They get back Adam Frazier, who's been a little bit of a buzzer Rooney in. The big thing for the Mariners is they do have back and Eugenio Suarez, but out of 335 on base, 31 home runs. But for the Oakland A's, you've been able to have some solid at-bats as well out of guys like a Sean Murphy and a Seth Brown. They've got a combined about 42 home runs this season. Murphy is hitting about a 250 for the team, but got a lot of guys sitting between about a 220 to a 235. Tony Kemp has been able to nearly a 300 over the last 35 days. He, Brown, who I mentioned before, Dermis Garcia, Vadiel Machin are all in that fold. And you've had Connor Capel hit a 300 for the team. Very limited at bat amount. And for the Oakland A's, 
The bullpen is currently dealing with ailments as Danny Jimenez, Sam Maul, these are guys that are currently out in the fold. You still have A.J. Puck, but you can tell that A.J. Puck, with his ERA going northward, he's just been used up for too many innings, north of a 6 ERA over the last 30 days. Tyler Sear, Domingo Acevedo, both of these guys are providing a sub 3-6 ERA, so got a little bit of something. And for the Seattle Manners, where they really do make their A, is that the bullpen has been magnificent for the team. It's Andres Munoz, Paul Seawald, Eric Swanson, Ben Murphy, they've been able to give you a sub 3 ERA all season long. Matt Brash, since he moved to the bullpen, has been terrific, but with Robbie Rape, he certainly has demonstrative home and road splits. With Ray, he has always been a guy that has been willing to give up the deep ball, but he has a ERA at home, a 275 compared to a 469 road ERA, and a lot of that has to do with the deep ball. He's given up about 1.15 home runs per nine innings at home on the road. This jumps to nearly a 1.8 and with Robbie Ray. Good swing and miss stuff. A little bit over 10 punch outs per 9 innings. Still giving up right around 2.8 walks per 9 innings. So I do think that the Oakland A's, they prevent set a little bit of value with the way that Caprillion has been pitching recently. I do think that this is going to feature some more scoring in this game. I set my toilet at 8.2 because this is a day game in Seattle so it's a little bit more hitter friendly. I'm taking a look at the over and I'm going to be taking a look at the Oakland A's with this Mondo number and we wrap things up with 929, 930 on the betting board. The San Diego Padres are going to be playing also the Chicago White Sox. Lance Lynn goes for the Sox. Blake Snell is on the bump for the Padres. Padres between minus 148 and minus 155 favorites. Between plus 135 and plus 140, the number on the White Sox. Seven is the total over and under. Any repeat minus 105 and minus 115. And with the Padres was willing to go up to a minus 162 in terms of them. Blake Snell and I will say Lance Lynn have been tremendous down the stretch. But you just take a look at the way that Blake Snell has been able to all of a sudden finally figure it out after he had that big year in which he won the Cy Young a few years ago and it's very heartening to see. Overall for the season he has been giving up 3.7 walks per 9 innings but I mean his strikeout stuff might be as good as it's ever been. 12.2 punch outs per 9 innings and you just take a look at the way that Blake Snell is rolling as the team. They lost 8 out of his first 9 starts of the season. It was really cataclysmically bad but the light came on for him in my opinion when he went up against the New York Mets on the road on July 23rd. In his last 13 starts he has given up 2 runs or fewer in all but two of them. I should say two earned runs or fewer in all but two of them. And I mean, in this span, he's got a 225 ERA over this last 13. And he's also given up only five home runs in 72 innings. Swing and miss stuff is still there. Over 12 strikeouts per nine innings. He has been flat out terrific for the San Diego Padres team. And he's actually got a better road ERA than he does a home ERA. But the flip side for Lance Lynn, and he really figured it out as well. He had an ERA that was like north of six for quite some time. He has been able to really lower it. The one thing that you fear with Lance Lynn is that he does give up the deep ball quite a bit as his home runs per nine rate. That's about a 1.6, but he's now in San Diego, one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks in all the big leagues on the road. He's had a 426 ERA, giving up about 1.5 home runs per nine innings. And for Lance Lynn, things are starting to regress a little bit more from him. He gave up four runs over the course of five innings in his last start, but by and large, he has been able to do a nice job recently with the White Sox. They do back him up with Jimmy Lambert and Rinaldo Lopez, pair of failed starters with a sub 3-2 ERA. And then you've got Kendall Graveman and Liam Hendricks who have been solved. I will say, Graveman, he's been acting up a little bit recently for the San Diego Padres. They do rank in the bottom five of the National League in terms of runs per game at home, but we do have some balance in terms of the lineup as 
Drixen Profar, throw in there Jake Cronenworth, Juan Soto, Hassan Kim, Austin Nola, all these guys in between about a 238 to a 250 with Soto, Brandon Drury, and Josh Bell, the guys that the Padres picked up at the trade deadline. You expected a little bit more out of them, along Josh Hader, though Josh Hader in his last eight appearances is not allowed an earned run, so a little bit hardening there with Underbell Crisman in the bullpen. That has been a little bit tough for the San Diego Padres, but maybe they will get some good production recently out of Roberts Juarez, a sub-3 ERA out of him. Nick Martinez has really done a nice job of being able to convert himself into a bullpen piece as well. A little bit up and down, but I do like what I've seen out of him recently. And then Tim Hill has been able to do a solid job in this bullpen as well. He's providing a sub-3 ERA. And when it comes to the Chicago White Sox, just a lack of power in general because this team ranks in the bottom seven in terms of home runs on a per-game basis as... You do have Elvis Andrews. He's been able to hit about a 265 since he's come over with the White Sox. He's got 15 home runs this season. Then you've got Andrew Vaughn, Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu. All these guys have been able to at least a 275 for the team. All these guys have between about 12 to 17 home runs. Gavin Sheets has been able to hit about a 245. He's got 15 home runs as well. You've had Sevi Savala when he's been at the catcher spot. Be okay. But that's been a little bit of an issue for this team as well. And I do think that Lance Lane just going to get outdueled a little bit by Blake. I think that this is going to be a very low-scoring game. I think that Lynn is going to be firing all cylinders. I think that Blake Snell is going to be firing all cylinders. As a result, set the Padres minus 162 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, you have a get between plus 145 to a plus 155 on the Padres. I see a little bit of an edge on the run line. I'd rather play it safe because I think that this is going to be a low-scoring game. Set by total of 6.7. So looking under and looking at the San Diego Padres on the money line. And that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Vison Family Podcast. A big thanks to Ryan Ross of Sports Radio WIP in Philadelphia for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, let us see them. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way, that is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season on this podcast, which means I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.